Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It is Thursday, March 30th, 2023, and they're alive. They're back. They're back. Signs of life, vital signs, uh, the naysayers, us. Yes. Proven wrong, championship goals back in sight. <laughs> But it's just another day in New Orleans. All you have to know about this show is the minute we bury a team, they come <laughs> back to life. The, so that when you should start betting on a team from New Orleans is the day that we declare their season is dead. Yeah, I um, canceled the ballets. They, uh, what's nice about ballets is when you cancel, they charge you five times. <laughs> <laughs> they really uh, would have been great. Well, they're like going completely bankrupt. Yeah, they're like, we'll see if we can get a little out of this guy. <laughs> they're doing stories now, like city by city, of like which teams they've decided to pay for baseball this year. They're like, oh, they're going to pay for the Padres, but not the Pirates. <laughs> it's like, so they're just not going to have games broadcast. This is what happens when you entrust the only way to see an. NBA team yeah. to a gym, yeah, <laughs> a gym that I haven't actually, I haven't, I haven't seen a ballet since the nineties. Yeah, I think it's the casino, right? Bally's Casino, is that still a thing that exists? I have no idea. They're yeah. the Hard Rock Cafe. It's, it's the same lettering as the gym, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it red with the script also? Maybe. Yeah. I think that I think we just need to go ahead and sell the Pelicans TV rights to Planet Hollywood. <laughs> What's the difference? To put it on WYS, let Errol Laborde <laughs> call the games with Peggy Scott. <laughs> <laughs> As they're just commenting on where the players' great grandparents were from. That would be so much fun. We could get Rick Steves on there for the Euro League. Um, I think they're the highest bidder in the city at this point. Uh, you know, I, things are weird in New Orleans right now. We're in a post recall uh, time. Uh, everything is still horrific. There was a manhunt today near my kid's school, and yet it's all like. I feel like it's pretty normal. I feel like things have sort of calmed down. It's. I think that things have calmed down simply because I'm too busy to look at the news now. <laughs> I'm too exhausted. So all the crime stopped. The second I stopped reading about it, everything got a lot better. <laughs> it is the ultimate way to feel good about new orleans is to just live in it and not know anything that's going on that's why it's such a great place when you're in your 20 20 year olds don't read the news no they go to fat harry's yeah. and they have irish car bombs <laughs> it's the greatest place in the world there's no danger then you're the danger i know yeah so when, when you are the hunter it's a lot easier <laughs> than being the hunted as a 38 year old dad getting you know Breathed upon by I've, everyone. I've found a loophole. I just stopped reading the news. I watch the Sopranos reruns, <laughs> and then I stare at my phone for three hours a day. But not the news. But not the news. Not the news. As long as it's not the news, you're all good. Uh, yeah, man. It's it's a, a very it's an odd period right now, but. We're getting through it. I think everything's going to be okay. I did want to give a special shout out. Happy birthday, Uncle Kevin, my brother. It is his birthday. I think we've recorded on his birthday two years in a row. Very exciting. What a gift. What a gift. Happy birthday. Thanks, Kevin. I know. Uh, send us some money. <laughs> you could send us some cool Final Four stuff from uh, Houston Town. If you would like to sponsor the podcast, we'll wish you happy birthday every week. Uncle Kev. <laughs> uh, yeah. The kids like Kevin. Everybody loves Kevin. Yes. Yeah. It's the best. Uh, n nothing better. Being a uh, an uncle is a great gig. Yeah. That is everybody. The, the kids are always excited to see you when you're an uncle. Mm -hmm. And he's also a dad. But I'm saying his kids and then my wife's uh, family, the kids in that family, 
there's nothing better than being an uncle. You would know. You're an uncle. I'm a great uncle. And they're all fired. They're always fired up to see you. And anything you do is considered an incredibly benevolent gesture. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't have kids of my own, so I can give them all the shit they want. Take yeah. them into five below and be like, go nuts. <laughs> Here's a $20 yeah. bill. Get anything in the world. <laughs> I know. Is there? There's something about that's like if you play with the kids and you're the uncle, not that you're like, oh my god, what a what a great guy. <laughs> he spent 30 minutes playing with his knees. I'm like, do anything, you know? Yeah, we're playing like Mario Kart, yeah. which I would be doing anyway. <laughs> exactly. It's like I'm in the I'm in a field with a kid. It's pretty easy. I don't know. It's not. Uh, but yeah, so anybody out there that is, especially if you're childless, I feel like if you're childless and you do anything with your like young family members people just jaws on the ground oh yeah easter easter's a knockout <laughs> holiday you go over there whoa what the easter bunny bring yeah oh you're 17 okay nothing <laughs> that i that's one of those holidays so easter's i guess coming up that's not this weekend right not this weekend next week next week we got good friday going into it you'd think they'd call it bad friday <laughs> and then <laughs> Saturday might be something, and you got Easter Sunday, and then now people do Easter Monday, too. Easter Monday? This is on the calendar. Was Jesus still alive? I don't know. The timeline <laughs> gets weary around then. Uh, Easter Monday? That is ludicrous. It's on a calendar somewhere. Oh, my God. That seems completely... That's just trying to get extra vacation days. Don't ask me. We were we were an Easter household, but we were bunnies and rabbits. Sure, we were not the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> the whenever anyone's like, "How Jewish are you?" That's a question that people ask sometimes. Yeah, I, no one's ever asked it that way. But the the answer to the question of how Jewish are you is that I showed up to work on Good Friday three years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> A, a fact that I find funnier every single year. The third year, I just should have known better. But the first two years, no one talks about Good Friday. It doesn't exist. Easter is not something that anyone over the age of sex, six ever talks about. So it's like my kids do a lot of with we have the bunny and the fake grass and the whatever. We got all that stuff. But once you're over what 12 i feel like it just like doesn't exist it's not a holiday where you get like real presents it's not a holiday where you get together and do a bunch of stuff with like your friends it's not like christmas is like a a, a thing for everybody not yeah. just your family for everybody easter is literally just like wear teal and eat ham on a random sunday yeah it's like if you're not in in the mix like i'm very much not in the mix it doesn't really hit the radar. No, it's not a, like a aesthetically pleasing holiday. Yeah. The colors suck. I don't care about candy and all. <laughs> there was an Easter decorating contest at work. Oh, boy. And I held out as long as I could, but my office is directly in front of the elevator. So everybody get off me like, where's your Easter stuff? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm 40. I don't have any children. Um, and then, like Jesus. Above all else... Don't really care about any of this. <laughs> my my office is decorated in the theme of dead last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my uh, my office is decorated like the tomb after Jesus escaped. <laughs> it's empty. There was a guy here and he ran out. And I'm that guy. <laughs> oh man uh yeah that's uh that's a lot going on it also means as we get into mid-april the nba season is wrapping up uh pelicans i think down to about what 10 games left we should probably look that up uh i don't know the exact number of games it it almost doesn't like by the time this podcast posts the standings will be different because the mavericks are playing right now the lakers are playing right now a couple other teams it is so bunched up. I've never quite seen anything like it. Uh, the the level that it is bunched, uh, and the Pelicans had a very eventful week. Uh, we'll start with the good, which was that they won five consecutive games. They beat a lot of bad teams in there, and they beat a decent Clippers team, uh, who it, you know Kawhi Leonard was uh, was banged up. Paul George is out, so. 
I don't know if that's a great win, but it's at least a decent win. The others were against dog shit, um, but still wins for a team that had won like five games in like six weeks. Uh, that was significant to just build some positive momentum and actually start to climb upward in the standings rather than just hope you're not falling as fast as you were. Right. The Pelicans were beating loser teams, but the Pelicans themselves were a loser team. Yes. You take them where you can get them. And, uh, you know, even though they were playing Zorbo Mendelssohn <laughs> from Croatia... <laughs> They looked pretty good. Brandon Ingram, in particular, looked very good yeah. um, against the Warriors. Last look, the Warriors game was a Warriors game. Yeah, we can get into that now. We, we've commented, yes, they won. Good. Let's talk about the Warriors game. The Warriors game was exactly what you'd think it would be. The Pelicans were up by as much as nineteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. I think they were up by seventeen at the half, firing on all cylinders. And then the Warriors were just the Warriors. Yeah. Um, everything that you expected to happen did happen. Draymond Green kicked someone in the head and mm-hmm. didn't get thrown out. The referee shook his hand, told him, good job. <laughs> they apologized for Herb's head, uh, maybe hurting Draymond's foot. Uh, Steph Curry scored 40 points in 12 minutes. And uh, Brandon Ingram uh, made some questionable decisions going into the fourth yeah. Uh, particularly getting trapped at half court, losing the ball. That was in like a moment where Steph Curry scored seven points in four seconds. Yeah. It was like Reggie Miller out there. And you just you knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. And it's particular. it felt worse because you hate the Warriors so much and because the Pelicans were playing so well. But five games going into that takes uh, the sting out of it a little bit. It is such a missed opportunity on so many fronts that while objectively, I think going in, everyone knew back to back in San Francisco, a very tough place to win. The Pelicans have been pretty damn bad for two months. Like the chances of winning are really low. And I think everyone sort of had it chalked up as an L. But then when you watch the way it unfolded and see how, I mean, the opportunity was there. The Warriors sleptwalked through most of that game, and the Pelicans just had them. And all they had to do was continue to sort of, sort of keep the foot on the gas. They didn't have to floor it, and instead they got murdered in the second half. I think they lost the second half by 28 points. Uh, Graf called the dagger with five minutes left to play. <laughs> I was listening to, to the radio. I was like, you know how dis- you know how, uh, you know how disappointing the second half has been is that Graf is a seven-minute game with five minutes of play. Graf just goes, dagger, dagger, dagger. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's when you really feel like you're just getting your face kicked in over and over again <laughs> and you just want it to end. That was uh, where the Pelicans were in the second half. And... I don't really know. Part of it, obviously, is the Warriors, like you said. But a lot of that shit was preventable. Like, Steph Curry was getting wide open threes a lot of times off of offensive rebounds. Uh, Their inability to get a rebound against Kevon Looney. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the ghost of Dennis Rodman here. Like, this is a, a, a decent offensive rebound or good offensive rebound, not like... Some incredible. Like, he had four offensive rebounds in like a minute and a half. Changed the, the whole the game. Third quarter. Yeah, changed the entire game. And it wasn't com- uncontested either. There were four Pelicans standing <laughs> around him. Notice, uh, noticeably, Valanchunas standing right there, just yeah. chewing gum. Yeah, and everything the Pelicans had going offensively in the first half just totally disappeared. There was no movement offensively. Everything became ISO, and everything became difficult. And it's like it was all of their worst habits kind of came out. Uh, at the worst possible time, and it it does make you take a deep breath and go, all right, that five-game winning streak was nice, but which one's real? Yeah. And it felt to me like the second half of that game was way more indicative of what the playoffs and even the play-in tournament is going to look like than what we saw the five-and-a-half games prior to that. That's correct. And it wasn't exactly a reveal. Like, my hopes were not so high with them beating the Zorbo Mendelssohn's of the league <laughs> like a drum. Yeah. I was like, yeah, these guys suck and they're winning, but I don't think for a second they're not going to get bounced in the play-in. Yeah. Seeing the Warriors was, was really just a window 
into what will happen and the vast difference. I mean, the the Warriors are the seventh seed right now. They're right. They had almost the same record, maybe like a game and not even like a whole game. Like a, they had played a different amount of games entering yesterday. So that was kind of making up the difference in the standings. The Pelicans, I, th- I think, would have surpassed them with a win and been in pretty good position for the six and avoiding that completely. And it just fell apart and... I don't know, man. It's like the, it, it's probably more realistic than if they had won that game and thinking what that would have meant. I think a, lo- a lot of folks would have gotten really ahead of themselves yeah. had the Pelicans won that game. Be like, oh, the you know the team from December is is back, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's really true. But look, Trey Murphy's playing great. Brandon Ingram's played for stretches great. Uh, C.J. McCollum has been better. I mean, he was terrible for a while. He's been playing, he played better. But when push comes to shove, you do not have an identity on offense that you can rely on against a good team. And and it just felt like the moment the Warriors wanted that game, it was over. Well, the weapons that are not Brandon Ingram, uh, Valanchunas and CJ are not stepping up when it matters. CJ McCollum, collapses whenever it matters he was playing very erratically very wild against the warriors he's been so up and down this season and i don't know if it's just because he has a different role than he did on portland so we're kind of seeing some of the flaws and inconsistencies in his game but he's just not really living up to kind of uh how excited everybody was when he came to the team last season at the exact right time and Valanchunas is plain and simple he's a liability yeah he's a big goon that can score 20 and grab 20 rebounds against Minnesota yeah he collapses when he is up against somebody good whenever it's Anthony Davis whenever it's DeAndre Ayton I mean he barely played in the playoffs against Phoenix because he is so slow he's so unathletic he He can't do anything out there except be a giant goon. And it worked early against Golden State when they went small. You could give it to Draymond Green was at center. Mm -hmm. So it was like, yeah, Valanciunas is six inches and 50 pounds bigger than him, and he can beat him up in the post. But you can't do that the whole game because eventually the other team adjusts. Not only did they play Looney more, then they also had an ability to just not allow him to get moving toward the basket, and they cut him off. And then he's not just bad, he's worthless. Like, he, mm-hmm. he can't do anything. And so, and it feels like the Pelicans always wait too long to take him out, and they never try Jackson Hayes, who seems to be the, the antecedent mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, the antidote, I guess you would say, to... Uh, to JV's unathleticism is how springy and uh, just the way that he can, you know, stop the rim in the right situation. Jackson Hayes can do a lot of things. He doesn't see the court. And Jackson Hayes is a clown, so mm-hmm. I understand it. Like, I'm not saying he's a reliable player, but, like, if, if you're obviously getting destroyed because of this one guy who's such a liability defensively, wouldn't you naturally go to a guy of similar size who just has a totally different skill set on the other end? It, it just it feels especially, like they never even try it. Especially on a night where you don't have to be solely dependent on Valanchunas to score. Exactly. Trey Murphy and Brandon Ingram yeah. were, ha- were getting the right shots last mm-hmm. night. So you did not have to worry about Valanchunas being there for cleanup because he wasn't cleaning up shit. Looney was was having a field day with him. Yeah, and, and that, I think, was the most frustrating sequence of the game for the Pelicans, even more so than just Curry drilling threes. You're like, look, the greatest shooter in NBA history is drilling good looks against us. Like, of course that's happening. It's when you give him second and third chances, when you're all there, and when it's it's the guy is rebounding one on three and grabbing the board. It's and you start to feel the game just go down. That building gets into it. It's loud. This team is obviously not that tough mentally to begin with, and then they just just melted. I mean, they, they yeah. could not score at all in the second half. It felt like every possession for the Warriors resulted in a wide open three or an offensive rebound for a wide open three, and every single possession for the Pelicans was some 
random contested to while Trey Murphy is standing by himself in the corner and just it, it, it just nothing felt right about it. And they had fought so well and and really stayed within themselves in the first half, even as Draymond mm-hmm. is trying. I mean, you can see Draymond is trying to piss off his own team and piss off the Pelicans like to get something jumpstarted. He could feel the lack of energy that was going on in that game for his team. The Pelicans kind of fell into it, but they didn't buckle to it. They actually extended the lead after he flopped around on the ground. He kicked Herb Jones in the head, then he fell on top of him, and he dares, he dares the refs to throw him out of the game. And they won't. He knows they won't. Yeah. They're so spineless, the officials who are looking right at him, and they would call the first technical on him 16 times if they could in a game. They will not call the second one. Well, they don't want his mom to tweet about him. <laughs> if I wonder how many texts he would get in a game if you did not get kicked out for the amount of texts. I bet he'd get six in a game. Because that, that's the only thing that stops these guys from calling it. They call the first one like nothing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. They'll call that immediately. And then he just baits and baits and baits and then he knows unless he throws a punch he's not getting kicked out of the game i mean even if he does yeah he probably won't get kicked <laughs> out of the game that way anyway i mean he kicked herb jones in the head yeah and they called it a common foul there's a highlight reel of him kicking people in the balls yeah Did he get ejected from <laughs> any of those games i don't think so he's screaming at him he's showing him up he's slapping the ball he's it's like what are you they they throw people out of games for waggling their finger yeah. like Dikembe Mutombo or for doing the too small motion for talking away from the rat. It's 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 rigged. It's bullshit. It's just so obvious he's treated at a different standard. But it's for me, it's almost hard to tell. I don't see anybody else in the league play like that. I watch a lot of Pelicans games, and I don't watch that much of the league anymore. I don't see anybody else playing with that kind of boisterousness openly and like just trying to instigate a fight all of the time. Yeah. He's the only guy left in the league who does it. They'll call him for the first te- I think he's gotten 18 technicals. The only other one who gets that many technicals who's like kind of a prominent player is Luca, but it's not from badgering the other team, it's from bitching at the refs. Yeah, Luke's ire is directed towards the referees. Yeah. It's never trying to fight other players. You know, yeah. he might I think Devin Booker and him like bump shoulders. Luca's not a fighter. No. Okay? <laughs> yeah, he just bitches, but he gets the same amount of texts. Yeah. Draymond's trying to start a fight. In the game. Well, that crowd, it, it feels like the crowd is so close to the court and they're so excited because they paid $11,000 <laughs> to see the Pelicans without Zion on a Tuesday. That, yeah, they're going to go nuts. And they, they dictate a game in a way that I, I have rarely seen b- basketball crowds dictate a game. Yeah. Like they are willing that ball to go in. They are giving them three, four, five chances. The the crowd, the control the crowd has over the Warriors is incredible. It is. I sat in that. It's so an Oracle in the old their old building. I don't know if you remember game two of the uh, first round when AD was in it against the Warriors. Sorry, the second round when they played in uh, in Oakland. And I, I it might have been game one, whichever. There was a run in the second quarter that was like twenty four to one. And it was just bedlam. And I think Gentry called three timeouts. It didn't matter. It was like this is, you could feel the whole build. Every time the Warriors touched the ball, you're like, oh, they're going to make a three. Yeah. And the whole building knew it. They knew it. They're dancing. They're strong. It was like, this is just like, you can see how they've won as much as they've won. Like, it's such a, uh, a, a lion's den in there. And it is different where they are now. But just the way they play and the way they feed off that home crowd, and I think you're right, the officials to some degree at least also are taken in that trance. And uh, I, I just it's it really is just stupid the way that Draymond is officiated. He could get eight technical they could have called eight technicals on him last night. But they were not gonna they call the second one. one. There was no chance they're gonna call the second one. What an asshole. I have. I know. You have a personal history. I have limited things to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways, it's fun 
because it's like it's good to have a villain like that and he's playing a wrestling heel and, and I'm, like, every time you go on Twitter during a Warriors game, yeah, he's always at the top of trending, mm-hmm. and it's always because he punched somebody in the head, yeah. he tied somebody's shoes together, he pants a referee, yeah, he sprayed him with seltzer, he's got a fake flower on that squirted somebody <laughs> in the face. It doesn't matter, yeah, yeah, and he uh, he certainly. Uh, Helped uh, clown the Pelicans in the second half. Uh, disappointing well, at least, loss. At least he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't punch his own teammate in the face in practice or anything. That's, you know, <laughs> that would be uncouth. Uh, so the Pelicans, to reset, have... Did we figure out how many games they have left? Is it uh, eight? I don't know. You remember when, uh, it was it, Bobby Portis punched Miritich in the face yeah. and they both got sent to opposite sides of the country yeah. and Miritich <laughs> went back to his home country and it took about four days for Steve Kerr to go, hey, boys will be I boys. <laughs> We're not going to do anything about it. He is that. so fucking full of shit. He is. He is such a folksy <laughs> doofus. He looks like Ellen DeGeneres. And he says all of this therapy language to justify whatever bullshit he's trying to sell you. Yeah. He is as full of shit as they come. He just got real lucky. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I think he's a good coach, but he also has the two best shooters in basketball, maybe basketball history, uh, at a time where the three pointer is like 80% of the game. So it's worked out for everyone. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. He lets Draymond get away with an absurd amount and then gets no questioning about it six games six games how many of those are at home two three four four okay so the pelicans go to denver as you're listening to this I they're in denver right now yes probably losing probably <laughs> losing as you're listening and to this. you got clippers although Jokic is questionable so that okay would make things easier clippers kings grizzlies knicks ending the season in minnesota at Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what the motivation level is for any of those teams. Like, the Grizzlies might be locked into their spot. The Knicks might be locked into their spot. Uh, Minnesota probably will be playing for something on that last game, whether, you know, play and jockeying. But either way, there's not a lot of total pushovers in that group, if any. Uh, and there's it's going to be a war. This team's going to have to actually beat a team with a pulse. Uh, that has a coach and that they listen to. It's not going to be another Portland. It's not going to be another Houston. Like it, it is going to be hard games to win. Uh, but I do think I have a little bit more faith in them now than I did this time a week and a half ago, uh, where they hadn't won in forever. I think they're capable of against most teams on most nights. I just have a hard time placing a whole lot of faith in that over a prolonged stretch of time. It was hopefully not just a chance for the fans to get their confidence back, but also for the team. They looked like a completely different team while they were playing DeVry university <laughs> players. And that's good. It's, I mean, these, this is a good team. They're capable of beating almost any team in the NBA. They just need to be consistent. And Willie green needs to make some smarter decisions. I mean, Dyson Daniels. He's awful. He was shook out there. I don't don't think he's awful. I think he's awful the way he's being used currently. He looks like uh, either he has no confidence. I don't know. It feels like he just does not want the ball in his hands at all. It's just, it's not a fair comparison because Herb Jones is six years older than him. Yeah. But Dyson does look, I mean, he looked lost in last night in Oakland who mm-hmm. wouldn't yeah in that situation you we've seen some glimpses uh from Dyson that I think are uh something that you can put your hat on he doesn't look yeah. like a complete clown out there is he a smarter better player than Jackson Hayes absolutely sure yeah I think he has good instincts I think he'll get better that's not a like, fair scale no that is not <laughs> the right scale but him and Najee Marshall declining as much as they have in the season has really, I mean, do you remember not that long ago? We're like, oh, the Pelicans might have the best roster in the NBA. Yeah. Like top to bottom. They're so deep. And they were, it's because those guys were all coming in on the second unit and making huge contributions and helping win games. And now you don't see that ever. I mean, if it's not Ingram and Trey Murphy and McCollum really kind of leading the charge and scoring, 
there's nobody else to do it. The Najee Marshall stuff. You remember the Animorphs books for kids? I don't, but I'm excited to hear this. There should. There was always <laughs> there was a kid that would turn into a creature on there, and the cover would be like a ch- uh, like a teenager, and then it would be him morphing into a frog or whatever. Okay. I think the Najee Marshall version of that is him morphing into Solomon Hill. <laughs> Is there any difference between Najee Marshall and Solomon Hill? Like twelve million a year. That's, that's about, about it. it. Yeah, that's about the only difference. He also looks less homeless than Solo did. <laughs> Solo really went for uh, derelict toward the end of his time uh, in New Orleans. I loved Solo, one of the greatest locker room guys in the world. Um, so. We'll see what happens with the Pelicans. Not that many games left. A very interesting, very tight, and a whole lot to play for uh, considering the standings. So stay tuned to Polk and Kush. We will, of course, take you through it. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a little bit of Saints. We've got a whole lot of local news. So stick around. We'll be right back. Polk and Yeah, there's a little Saints news this week. Uh, The NFL owners' meetings were in, my guess is Arizona. That seems to be where they always put them, right? Sure. Sure, probably in Arizona. Uh, And uh, they took some questions from the media. Dennis Allen spoke, and he sounded like a moron. Oh, weird. (laughs) Oh, okay. They asked him about Michael Thomas. Uh, Luke Johnson of uh, NOLA.com did a story uh, on it, and he basically said, uh, though Thomas is not ready yet, Allen did not sound concerned about Thomas's availability. Quote, I don't want to get into specifics on that, but he's making progress in the recovery. He's not 100%. We're going to be cautious with it and take our time. We don't really want to put him out there until he's 100%. He hasn't been 100% in three years. I feel like they've taken their time and been cautious. How much more time do you need? I don't remember what Michael Thomas looks like. Even if you're saying he was back to 100%, he got hurt in the first game of the season. That was like six, eight months ago. Sean Payton cursed Michael Thomas trying to run up the score on Tom Brady. Yep. Tom Brady has some pact with God or the devil. (laughs) And this is the curse that will remain with Michael Thomas until he is moved to, I guess the Raiders. I'm sure we'll trade him to the Raiders to get the towel boy for the Raiders, (laughs) but we don't need Michael Thomas because the saints just signed former Raider, Brian Edwards at wide receiver. Sounds good. I'm sure he's going to be a perfect fit. Here's why. Maybe we could have gotten a coach from a a good team so then we could get all the players from the good team to come here instead of getting a coach from a bad team and then getting all of their bad players to come here. I just... I'm no analyst. It it is remarkable, the Michael Thomas, that they brought him back. I can't believe they brought him back, number one. And he's not healthy. And Dennis Allen doesn't want to share. Why wouldn't you share the information? Do you think the Falcons are riding down ankle? Two weeks. We got him now. Just say he's 100%. Like, we're never going to believe Just say he's 100% and he doesn't feel like playing right now, and you're going to respect that. Alan went on to, this is from the story, Alan went on to say he expects Thomas to be fully healthy and ready to go. He also expects to win the lottery and never have to coach again. (laughs) Quote, when that time is, I don't want to get into the speculation. Alan said, but we feel good about where he's at. Yeah, we feel great about it. We think it's going to go good. He hasn't played in three years, but other than that, I think he's going to be awesome. Everything's looking looking fantastic. He only got hurt six and a half months ago. This is going to be a beautiful thing. He doesn't want to speculate on uh, Michael Thomas, but he does want to speculate on Brian Edwards <laughs> so we can feel comfortable with where the coach's head is at. <laughs> 
You said he was wearing his name tag in the coach's photo. <laughs> yeah. So they do every year with all the coaches get together for a fo- in the for the world's most awkward photo, mm-hmm. you know, where like they're all together. And D'Amico Ryan's looks like, you know, just the coolest guy in planet Earth. <laughs> and basically he looks like Michael B. Jordan compared to all these dudes. <laughs> and uh, and there's Dennis Allen sitting like two seats away from Sean Payton. Sean Payton, who's man spreading out like two full seats. He's got just dong hanging sean payton is just like i'm back baby uh andy reed and bill belichick were in shorts which was epic that's great yeah of they are yeah andy reed always wears like a hawaiian shirt uh and dennis allen is wearing his credential because no one believes he's an nfl head coach he walks around like uh, can i have some more towels sir he's like no this is me look at the picture dennis allen i'm a head football coach <laughs> that's right those those people in new orleans pay me to be their football coach there's got to be an asterisk next to head coach on that because he really does have just the look of the assistant manager at the night desk oh yeah yeah he looks <laughs> like the dad that ran on the field at the softball game <laughs> it's just there, so great. has there been a less commanding presence in football it's just so like he just has every substitute teacher vibe imaginable especially when he's right there next to sean Payton, yeah. who just always just has the ultimate swagger of a man who steals vicodin with impunity <laughs> and there's dennis <laughs> allen who looks like he has to go lock up the towel shed because the kids are at it again dennis allen looks like he would write a letter on behalf of the hoa <laughs> Hey, you can't have a P- American flag out until Labor Day. You, no decorative mailboxes. You got to take down the mailbox shaped like a bass fish. You really have to admire uh, that he's still doing it. Uh, really, for, for a little while. Really incredible he's back. Uh, honest to God, after watching mm-hmm. last season, it is the Saints <clears throat> had the worst offense I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that wasn't run by people named Billy Joe. <laughs> and he's back. And they're just like, yeah, this is we're staying the course. I I, I, I mean, if they fail this year, it's going to be real, real bad. They put a lot of money into this offense. They did. Um, and we'll see. But all of the stories that said we get to see Derek Carr reunited with Dennis Allen. It's like, yeah, but for five weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This isn't the reunion you think it's going to be. I think you got fired the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping that if things go bad, he will not be around long. But I have no faith in them to really fire him until the end of the season. If we're going to copy, like if we're going to copy what the Raiders do, can we get a stadium that is functional and looks like a spaceship? That'd be cool. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, I, I mean. We'll see. Uh, I'm not, obviously, this podcast is about as down on the Saints as anybody ever, but I actually think they're going to win the division. Yeah. They should win the division. There was a, a grading. Did you see that from Football Outsiders where it was like, how did your team stack up or whatever in the NFC South? And it was like uh, long-term vision. The Saints got like a C- minus, and the, the Panthers have an A+. Plus. I'm like, well, that's a great long-term vision, <laughs> but they still stink. Like, they're still a bad team now, you know? I was like, they have the ability to become a good team. I suppose that's good. I was like, even if the Saints had every draft pick, I don't know if they'd make the right decision to actually do it. Really. So in that way, I do understand what the Saints It's like, you know, go with what you have and go with the known commodity because the unknown, you mostly are going to screw it up. And I, an X factor this season is going to be Marcus Davenport with a chip on his shoulder <laughs> up in Minnesota. He is. I don't know if we play the Vikings this season. Well, he's definitely going to eat the chip that's on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, uh, I am. Uh, eh, the draft is in a couple of weeks. I'm excited for our draft breakdown. We always have great draft breakdowns. Yeah, we can talk about. <laughs> The punter from Idaho State. <laughs> they take Tajay Spears. I have a lot to say. <laughs> if they don't, I don't have or Hendon Hooker. I got a lot to say about that too. Other than that, I don't really have much. Not much. Not much. I'm sure they'll take an interior offensive lineman who only the people in New Orleans will say is good, and everybody else outside would be like, "Well, that guy could have gotten taken in the fourth round," <laughs> which is exactly what happened with Cesar Ruiz and like uh, 
two other guys that they've taken. But the difference is when we draft those players, they attack their teammates at practice. <laughs> <laughs> the Trevor Penning. Where is Trevor Penning? I mean, probably punching a guy in practice. Yeah. Uh, Mini camp. He's throwing weights at people. That was the number one story about him. It was not that he's good at football. It's that he's mean. It's that he attacked everyone. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's worked for Draymond, I suppose. <laughs> Why not? Um, so that's our Saints wrap up. But I, do you all feel better informed about the Saints? You probably should. You're about to learn a whole lot more about the city that you know and love. Ladies and gentlemen, the NOLA Breakdown. It is you put pass in a swamp and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> All right, I am on NOLA.com. I've put it on reader mode, <laughs> or as you call it, thief mode. I'm sorry, this is your employer. I shouldn't be. Look, I'll click on some banner ads. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll go to Galatoire's. Never heard of it. No, I always get like the ads on NOLA.com that are from stuff I've been looking at in other places. Sure. So it'll be like, do you want this big dildo? <laughs> like, no, NOLA.com. How do you know? That was hours ago. I was that was a present. <laughs> the New Orleans City Council has approved a tax incentive for the 504 Golf Driving Range and Entertainment Complex on Howard Avenue aimed at helping its new owners recoup construction costs of the long-delayed project. We have to pay people. Long-delayed construction project <laughs> for this. Is this what? Is this the Top Golf thing again? It's the fake Top Golf. Okay. They and, do have a good name. Yeah, yes, that is a good name. I 504 agree. is a great name. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it's where the old times Picayune building was. I don't know if you've ever driven that part of Broad. Like the interstate and broad. Quickly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, of all the eyesores, it's the sorest. Um, and it is, it's just been a half-built driving range. <laughs> Half is generous, like 10% built driving range for, I don't know, seven years now, five years. Uh, and so I guess the city is like, all right, we know that no one wants to do this and no one wants this project. So they're going to allow them to put in their own sales tax, an extra 2% sales tax when you're there. So we have to give public subsidies to a place to build a driving range. That's going to employ like 55 people part-time. Can I jump in on this? <laughs> yeah. Can I, when I sell Polk and Kush t-shirts, add a Polk and Kush tax that I take to build us a new studio? Yes. This is essentially what is happening here. We should go to Jefferson Parish with that. I've been to a few uh, driving ranges, and I'll tell you what they don't need. Lots of construction. <laughs> it's usually an area where you stand, and then nothing. And then you hit the ball into the nothing. <laughs> What what am I missing? Have you ever been to a top golf? I've been to a top golf. Yeah. Sometimes they stack the people on top of yeah. each other. So that's the big difference. Okay. That's it. All right. And there's some bars and a and a net. There's a very big net as well. It is uh just incredible. Like that you can't get there's no business that can stand on its own in the city because you have to pay people to open things. It is uh, hilarious. The best part about it is that they have also decided to open uh, the convention center lot of another agreement with the city. They're opening a real Top Golf. So who's going to go to this thing? The knockoff Top Golf, the marshmallow mateys of Top Golf, <laughs> three miles away from where the actual Top Golf is. It's very New Orleansy to not have any driving ranges forever. Yeah. And then to have two next to each other at the exact same time. That are both being subsidized by the city itself. This is, I mean, Topgolf is the name, obviously. Uh, 504 is going to have to rely on the charm of paying more money <laughs> to them, <laughs> I guess. And, and, the, and the appeal of Howard Avenue and Broad. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to go hit some balls in the daylight... <laughs> Can they turn it into a shooting range as well? You can just fire a few off. 
They'll at least mask the sound. They got to change the name from Driving Range because criminals are going to hear that and go, oh, there's a bunch of cars we can go steal. <laughs> that was going to be ATVs <laughs> just circling the infield of the Driving Range <laughs> trying to avoid getting hit by golf balls. Did the, is the guy in the cage golf cart going to get carjacked? <laughs> He's in a cage. <laughs> well, that'll be a fun uh, Dave and Buster's esque option, and not like in—I don't mean in like a gaming way. I mean in that it's going to be a shithole that's broken and destroyed immediately. <laughs> Speaking of, Drew Brees is in talk. Uh, Drew Brees talks teamwork with House Republicans. That's good. That's what they need. They need some teamwork lessons from old Drew Breezy, and he is there to tell them that nothing happened on January 6th. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> ever, Ret- ever since that Yahoo Finance article, <laughs> that was the end. Retired New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees knows a thing or two about teamwork. And at a recent, who writes this shit? At a recent <laughs> Florida retreat, he shared some of the lessons learned over his 20 season career with U.S. House Republicans. So we have Drew Brees imparting wisdom to House Republicans based on his preference for NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, much- Wranglers. <laughs> a- Advocare. Quiz- uh, Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Yeah. <laughs> How much do you think he just sat there and tried to sell all of those things the entire time he was doing that? I mean, what is happening here? They had a three-day policy summit in Orlando, Florida. Drew Brees was there, and uh, I guess he just, in a, okay, here's a quote. In his humble, authentic way, Drew shared his insights on leadership, teamwork, and how we can all use adversity to help mold us and develop our character and put drag queens in jail. (laughs) His advice translates to far more than football. I'm trying to think of a wider gathering in the world (laughs) than Drew Brees with House Republicans. Oh, my goodness. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and Drew Brees. Man. Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of looks like Manimal from WGN. You remember that? No. You have so many amazing TV <laughs> references that are so wasted on me. I could just be making them up. Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. He was there. I guess he talked teamwork. Yeah. With these guys. He talked a lot about needing more intellectuals on the field. Mm. You know, scrappy, quote, hustle guys. Okay. Maybe not super athletic, but they've got a lot of heart. <laughs> He's sitting here with a guy that looks like he's in a Stephen Colbert Halloween costume. (laughs) If I'm in Orlando, the last place I want to be is a Republican (laughs) house summit. If I'm I'm in federal prison, the last place (laughs) I want to be is at a Republican house summit gathering. Now, what they don't mention is that Drew was really there because Jimmy Johns was doing the catering. (laughs) It came with it. It came with the walk-ons catering package that they got. How much mayonnaise was on the table? A lot of mayonnaise-faced goons. All right, Drew. Whenever Drew pops back into the news, it's always for nothing great. No. It's always like, yeah, those pills Drew Brees were advertising uh, killed a bunch of people. (laughs) It's literally just like, aggressively boring that's like the 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 story of drew Brees' postseason post-career life has been aggressively boring yeah i got fired from talking about football that's a low we haven't even been fired from talking about football (laughs) now here's a story that is gut-wrenching terrible it would qualify as the worst if we were doing that tonight uh New Orleans police are investigating after two armed suspects stole a French bulldog from a woman in Hollygrove. The victim was walking her dog just after 11 p.m. when a vehicle approached. Two armed suspects demanded the woman's dog, and she complied. The thieves fled with the dog. Come on. Dog thieves. 
I have a French bulldog. Yeah. As you'd expect because of my, the way I look. Uh, they're not that great. I wouldn't steal one at gunpoint. I would just go for money. <laughs> Are they an expensive dog? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I my dog's like 12 years old, so I don't know what the inflation is on a French <laughs> bulldog. But mine's a, mine has cost me way more than the initial asking price. I, I wonder how much they'll have to bring this dog to the vet. My dog has to go to the vet like quarterly. This says that French Bulldogs are the most popular dog breed in the United States, yeah. according to the American Kennel Club. It's some basic white girl shit now. But the small sure. dogs can cost several thousand dollars. Now, I'm sure these were probably teenagers, maybe even preteens, that were stealing this dog. I don't know how up they are on the info regarding dog prices, <laughs> illegal dog markets, and stuff like that. Uh, so there are two possibilities I would like to present here. One, this could be like when Elaine kidnapped the dog <laughs> that wouldn't stop barking <laughs> on Seinfeld. It's a slicer. Yeah. Maybe this is a dog. No, that was the, <laughs> that was a different episode. This was a dog that would not stop barking. So maybe they stole the dog. <laughs> Maybe that's a scenario. You think they're or, dog hitmen? I, I, the dog may be fine. I hope to God that the dog is fine. I'm okay. just saying that maybe these these could have been neighbors and the dog was annoying. annoying. Got it. it. It could be a hit that way. It's an aggressive way to go about it. Or <laughs> playing in movie theaters right now, John Wick 4. Viral marketing campaign? This is a horror. I hope this lady gets her dog back. Oh, my God. What an absolute nightmare. The last thing you're worried about when walking your dog is someone stealing the dog. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, you know, I don't carry cash when I walk around. It's like, well, I don't like the dog. I have to have the dog. You got, you're going to have to put, like, those falcon vests on the dog <laughs> on all dogs now. We, have a, we did have to put it on one of those apple chips, you know? Like, oh, yeah. So that we could, we could track the dog. Wherever it goes, and I was because the dog runs away. Nobody's stolen it yet. Every time the dog has run away, somebody's given it back to us. Little maybe the next time after reading this, though, won't be so fast <laughs> to give it back. We'll have to pay a ransom. If you have seen a French bulldog with mischievous teenagers, please contact Paul and Kush, and we will help this dog find its way home. In all seriousness, that is the worst thing. Horrible. It's one of the worst things you can do. Absolutely I horrible. would absolutely become John Wick if that happened to me <laughs> and my dogs. No, no joke about it. This has been Polk and Kush, everybody. It's a podcast. You know the drill. Like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, we're going to have merch coming out soon. Maybe some events. You'll see. Uh, we'll see you next time. Scott Kushner, Andrew Polk. Polk and Kush on Twitter. Polk and Kush at gmail.com. Holla. See ya.